The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All righty, welcome to the broadcast. How in the world are you? Thanks for coming along for the ride today. If you'd like to participate, you can dial 888-900-3393. You can follow me on Twitter, at JeffyMRA. You can follow me on Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. You can follow me on Instagram, at JeffyMRA. You can follow me on Snapchat. I think it's JeffyMRA. One of these days, I'll figure it out. The rest of the family is all Snapchatting. I have an account, but I don't mess around with it. There's only so much time I can spend putting little flowers and cat faces on my on my face and snapping a picture of it and say, <laughs> oh, it looks so funny. Anyway, it's out there. You can follow me on that. Maybe, you know, when I start Snapchatting, uh, Snapchatting crazily, or I buy those new $120 uh, Snapchat glasses. Have you seen those yet? Pretty cool. Put the Snapchat glasses on, links up to the phone, push the button, Snapchat 10 seconds, it goes right to your posts on your Snapchat page. I, I kind of like it. It's kind of cute. Through the eyes of the Snapchatter. Welcome to the Blaze Radio Network. Michael Pelka is uh, the guy that's on the air before this show. Now, you know, he's on Monday through Friday, right after uh, middays, right after the Glenn Beck radio program. And then he, you know, he throws, he, he's, he's kind enough to give us an extra show on Saturday mornings. And, and doggone it, we appreciate it. We do. But he had this silly, before he left, he's talking about his silly tweet question that he's calling a vital question. Washer, dryer, left or right? (laughs) Pretty funny. Now, of course, I mean, in my house now, the dryer is to the left. Now, according to this Michael Palcapole, 64% of you have the washer on the left. And 24% have the dryer on the left. 7% have the washer on the bottom. I mean, why would you put the washer on the bottom? I guess because it's the heaviest. I don't know. It would seem to me that you would want to be able to put the clothes from the washer, lift them down to the dryer, but what do I know? Anyway, and 5% of you don't have a washer and dryer. I feel for you. When I was a kid... We used to have to go to the laundromat every week. And I can remember to this day walking to the laundromat, pulling the red wagon full of dirty clothes, and then taking the laundromat, which was, you know, five or six blocks down. The laundromat, do all the clothes, fold them, fold them up nicely, put them back in the wagon, and wheel them back home. I said at that time, there will be no more laundromats in my life. I do everything I possibly can to avoid laundromats. Okay? At one point, I did have to use the laundromat when the washer and dryer had not been delivered. When we moved to Texas 
from Pennsylvania when we came here with the Glen, you know, when we moved here to Texas. There was a, a period of time that the washer and dryer had not been delivered from our home in Pennsylvania to our place, our new home in Texas. I damn near just bought new clothes every day, so I didn't have to go to the laundromat. But, honey, we, we'd be broke. I don't care. It kept me away from the laundromat, but I didn't. I did test laundromats. So I feel for you that don't have washer and dryers. And then I was thinking about why my dryer is on the left at this house. And it's only because that's the way whoever built the house has it set up. Because if I were to do it myself, the washer would be on the left and the dryer would be on the right. Welcome to the broadcast, 888-900-3393. This is the Jeff Fisher program. There's plenty of stuff going on. Uh, today we're going to go a little in-depth on some robots. Uh, I've, got a, I've got an author that... Uh, Talks about will robots take your job? I'm, I, I should be fascinating. I, I'm I'm fascinated to hear uh, what he thinks. I started reading, uh, going through his book and uh, seeing his ideas on it and seeing what he feels. And uh, we are behind the eight ball. And uh, we'll we'll talk to him about that uh, next hour. Uh, some of the headlines that'll get you through. Uh, you know, Monday when you go to work, you're out and about, you're sitting, you know, maybe tomorrow at church and people, you know, you're done with church and you're having a little coffee and cookie and, uh, people are talking about what's going on in the news. Plenty of stories, plenty of stories out there for you. And I want you to be able to at least go, yeah, you know, I heard about that and at least have the headline under your belt. So some of the stories that you'll be talking about Fox news anchor host, Eric Bowling. Accused of inappropriate communications with co-workers, according to a report by the <clears throat> Huffington Post. Uh, Bowling reportedly sent an unsolicited photo of male genitalia to multiple women. Now, the recipients of the photo confirmed its contents to HuffPost, uh, which is not revealing their identities. Oh, okay. They were former Fox colleagues, and it happened several years ago. So what are we to make from this? I mean, I, I don't know. And also, and I would say, if Eric would have completely come out and said, this is insane, stop it, then I would have said, you know, it's a witch hunt years ago, who cares? But his response from his attorney, Mr. Bowling recalls no such inappropriate communications does not believe he sent any such communications and will vigorously pursue his legal remedies for any false and defamatory accusations that were made. Now, in legal ease, yeah, that's a denial. But it just kind of, you know what, I don't recall. Did I send a picture of my genitals to her? I, you know, I can't recall. I can't recall any... Such, you know, if you want to call it inappropriate communication, okay. So, good luck, Eric. They're going to try to drive him into the ground with that. And as long as we're talking about inappropriate communications, Pete Rose, under the watchful eye of the world again, they will not leave this guy alone, man. They will not leave Pete Rose alone. He was supposed to be honored. Uh, by the Philadelphia Phillies this weekend. Eh, eh, no. Uh, apparently, uh, they're giving him a hard time because they believe that he had uh, a sexual relationship 
in the 70s with a minor. Now, Rose acknowledged that he had the sexual relationship with the woman in court documents that were made public Monday. Uh, but he said that she was he thought he was she was 16, which was legal age of consent in Ohio. You know, nobody said he was he was 34 at the time, married, father of two. He doesn't remember how long the relationship lasted. So, I mean, okay, so he's not a good guy. <laughs> okay, so we got it. He's not a good guy. He's a baseball superstar running around the country having sex with anything he can. Good thing that doesn't happen anymore. But uh, they are not leaving. Uh, the Phillies also said they were not be giving away the Rose bobblehead figure. <laughs> oh, come on. If anyone out there has an opportunity to get a Rose, Pete Rose bobblehead, please send it to me. I desperately want a Pete Rose bobblehead. So they're not, you know, this comes out, there's no, I mean, they'll, Pete, I love you. And I believe you should be in the Hall of Fame. No question. If anything, you should be in the Hall of Fame as a player. And then we just throw in the asterisk that uh, he was, uh, you know, he was gambling uh, as a manager. Something. Or we don't mention it at all. But as a player, it's a, it's a it's a crime that he's not in the Hall of Fame. But now, as they just keep piling on new information about the bad guyishness of Pete Rose, he's going nowhere. It's not going to happen. Sorry, Pete. I was for you, bud, but he's not going to make it. Oh, I really, I thought she was 16. It doesn't work. Even if it was back in the 70s. I mean, Pete's been married for quite a while now. Pete's what, like, how old is Pete? 75? He's got to be. I bet you Pete Rose is probably pushing 80 now. He looks pretty good for 80, and his wife is like 10. No, his wife, <laughs> this particular wife, and see, that's what I mean. He's not a good guy. This particular wife is is way younger than him. So God bless him. How old is he? 76. I could call him my poor thank you. 75. How old is his wife? Come on, this wife has got to be. Well, I think this wife is probably what, maybe 45? This one? Come on now. Now, his partner? No. I don't think we got look, look, make double check that. 37. 45. I cut the old hag of 45. No way. Pete's not doing that. 37. So, okay, I got it. He's not a good guy in his personal life. But he's still Pete Rose, right? No? Okay. Remember uh, Martin Scarelli, the arrogant punk from New York that bought bought the rights to uh, the EpiPen and then rose the price, (laughs) then just jacked up the price? And said, tough, get over it. Well, he was found guilty of three counts of securities fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Uh, The prosecutors had accused uh, him of uh, repeatedly misleading investors about what he was doing with their money. He told lies upon lies, including at one time claiming he had $40 million in one of his funds when he only had $300 in the bank. 
In one case, he bought rights to a life-saving drug in 2014 and promptly raised the price from $13.50 a pill to $750 a pill. Wow. He was arrested in 2015 on charges he looted another drug company he founded of $11 million in stock and cash to pay the hedge fund investors. Now, he keeps calling this a witch hunt. He said just hours after uh, just hours after he was convicted, he boasted about his chances of avoiding prison during a live stream video. See, Martin, this is why people don't like you. This is why you're an arrogant little bastard. I'm one of the richest New Yorkers there is, and after today's outcome, it's going to stay that way. What a douche. He taunted prosecutors and predicted his odds of not getting prison time were pretty good. Hey, if the government wants to spend tens of millions of dollars and that's all that's all I get, <laughs> uh, the prosecutor's case was pretty pitiful performance. <laughs> Martin Scarelli, good luck not going to jail, pal. Good luck not going to jail. I stayed up last night until all hours because I missed Anthony Scaramucci's tweet calling off his webcast. So he tweets yesterday afternoon. He's calling off his webcast. I didn't see it. I expected. I kept looking for the alert. I kept looking. I was up all night waiting for the the Mooch webcast because he was going to tell it all. He was going to tell it all on his webcast, tell his side of the White House disgrace. But uh, no. In uh, yesterday afternoon, he tweeted. <laughs> He tweeted that he was that he that he was going to call it off, and I missed it. He tweeted off no press event tomorrow, focusing on family, my work in the private sector, moving forward. Stay tuned. Oh, we will, Mooch. We will. You talk about a guy that's had some tough days, man. Now he's got you know a few million in the bank, so God bless him. But you want to talk about a guy that's had some tough days? I mean, he's out of work. Says yes to a job, then Trump calls, so he says yes to Trump, says no to the job that he'd already accepted, goes to the White House, stays there for 10 days, gets fired, the wife is pregnant, she leaves. I can't, I can't take you anymore. <laughs> That's some tough days. That's why I was kind of looking forward to the webcast. But uh didn't happen. And uh, the White House is uh, underextended... Uh, remodeling going on right now. Trump uh, left yesterday. He's going to be spending some time. Where would you think Donald Trump would go to spend some time away from the White House? Mar-a-Lago? Yeah, it's Florida. And yeah, tropical storms coming through. Nope, let's go to my club in New Jersey. Yep, taking the staff there. We're going there for 17 days. The White House is going to be replacing the West Wing's 27-year-old heating and ventilation air conditioning HVAC system. 27 years the, the, new, the AC and heating system has been in there. Now they claim that because the frequency of use, the HVAC system's usage age is pegged at around 84 years old. That means my air conditioning units at my house are about 150. (laughs) Come on. You're supposed to be able to use them like that, aren't you? Among the other facets of the White House that will be refurbished are the Navy Mess Kitchen, a restaurant at the West Wing run by the U.S. Navy, the building's lower lobby, the information technology system, and other generic cosmetic upgrades. Yeah, that might not be a bad thing to work on that whole IT system. There's been a few issues surrounding that. Uh, yeah, not necessarily Donald, but, uh, you know, 
uh, there's been some issues uh, around the uh, entire uh, Washington, D.C. Now, the White House has not been uh, worked on, man, since, I mean, it's been since Eisenhower. It's quite a ways. It's quite a ways. I mean, there's got to be some, uh, got to be some, uh, maybe some paneling that needs to be changed. And that could have been why Trump was joking the other day about everybody was so wound up about he called the White House a dump. Of course, it's a dump to him. It doesn't have the gold fixtures and it doesn't have the the beautiful Manhattan skyline. It's Donald Trump. Of course, it's a dump to him. But that's I mean, he was joking around. They're coming to they're remodeling it. It's a dump. It's Donald messing around on the golf course deal. And do you remember the baby that had heart surgery in the womb? It was born this week. Yeah. It was born. It was great. Uh, it was born blue like it was supposed to be. But it came out crying, which they didn't expect. And think about that. It had heart surgery in the womb. Tell me again when life starts. Because I can't remember what the... Here we go. Say. This life is the Jeff Fisher the- Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Also, a massive search is underway after a Marine Corps aircraft crashed off the coast of Australia. Uh, 23 of the 26 service members were on board uh, have been recovered. They are still uh, searching for the other three. That is an ongoing news story as we speak. And, I mean, look, good times are just around the corner. Uh, The Mega Millions did not have a winner. So right now... Uh, the next Mega Millions drawing will be $346 million. Uh, tonight, the the jackpot, the uh, the uh, Powerball, uh, is going to be estimated at about $286 million. So listen, I love you, and you know that, right? But if I happen to hit that uh, and... You tune in next Saturday and you hear the open, and then you hear. You know that. Uh, you know that I won. <laughs> it may not have been announced anywhere. I might because it's going to take a little while. You got to get your got to get your things in order before you take it to them and say, "Hey, here's my ticket. Here's my winning ticket." And I want the cash payout, please. And, uh, you know, I want to take the longest amount of time before you announce who won it. But you'll know. You will know because when you tune in to the Jeff Fisher Show, <laughs> and you'll say to yourself, he won. <laughs> and you can count on me taking the cash payout. No question. Okay, I want the cash payout. You got to take your little tax money out of there, whatever it is. Because whatever you're getting, $286 million or over $300 million, I mean, you're still walking out of there with $150 million, probably a lot more, probably a lot more but even if you walk out of there with $150 million, I mean, I'm willing to go ahead and say that I could be okay with that. I know it bumps up the tax bracket, but, you know, so be it. 
So just know that uh, when you hear this is like a <laughs> this is like a public service announcement. When you hear this, the host has won the lottery. The host has won the lottery. So much more on the Jeff Fisher broadcast coming up here on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for uh, coming along for the ride today. I've got, uh, man, I've got so much stuff to get to every Saturday. You're going to be so full of information after this program. <laughs> I mean, all I can tell you is you're welcome. I mean, you're welcome. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher Show is on. That it is. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. All right, so I also uh, I failed to mention uh, the first half hour that uh, we have a uh, we have a travel ban. Uh, the NCAA or the NCAA? No, the NCAA doesn't have a, a travel ban as of yet. I mean, they might have. They might jump on this as well. But uh, the NAACP which may impact the NCAA, uh, has put a travel ban on uh, this, the state of Missouri. Uh, be careful. Uh, they want to. Uh, they want to tell you that it could be could be dangerous for you, people of color, to travel to the state of Missouri. Tell me if I'm wrong, but aren't there aren't there People of color and black people and African-American people living in Missouri already? Okay. I thought there was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just told no. So, eh. well, good, good luck. And don't travel to the great state of Missouri. So, I'm driving, uh, I'm driving uh, around uh, being the chauffeur, being my kid's Uber. And... Uh, they're telling me about uh, yesterday. They're talking to me about YouTube being sued, and they're talking about the uh, you know the YouTubers. And I mean, my kids—they've got a list of YouTubers that they're fans of. They don't watch television. Um, they they watch YouTube. They have YouTube stars that they you know that they watch. You, the YouTubers, and uh, they're telling me how that YouTube is finally is finally getting sued. Those bastards hate YouTube, even though you use it free but i hate it so anyway and they're trying to tell me the story about uh, uh how youtube had uh changed their algorithm and uh this particular youtuber or youtubers um lost you know like 90 percent of their revenue because of the way youtube had reconfigured and that you know they're finally being sued, and they're hoping to uh, you know have other YouTubers come on board and uh, who lost uh, who lost money. And other other YouTubers have talked about uh, losing money, and they go tell you what to do to go through to make sure that you subscribe and unsubscribe and all that kind of stuff. 
And they were telling me a story about a guy who, when YouTube changed their algorithm to make it uh, ad friendly, and then they said that you, uh, uh, one of the one of the things that they talked about was the um, the the rights, right? So if you don't have the rights to the music, they can't they cut a bunch of channels because a lot of people were using music video and and music that they didn't have the rights to, which is fair. So one guy. Uh, decides, well, look, I, instead of getting pulled from YouTube, I'm going to take down the uh, videos that have the music in it, that has the rights on it. But when he did that, see, then it takes down his his actual subscriber and view list, which then takes him off the trending charts of YouTube, which then takes him off. Nobody knows, nobody, everybody that logs onto YouTube, does. it just doesn't pop up. You have to actually physically search for this particular YouTuber. So he lost all kinds of money doing that. And YouTube is like, and I'm trying to tell my kids, well, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, YouTube's a private company. Uh, They can pretty much do what they want. Uh, You're counting on them. You're using their product uh, to post your material, and they're taking your product and selling advertising, and they're giving you a cut from that. Uh, you know, you got to do kind of what they want you to do or you don't get your cut. Well, the apocalypse, the YouTube, uh, the YouTube based uh, show apocalypse, right? Um, the lawsuit begins in March of this year when several brands pulled advertising from YouTube uh, after learning that some spots had been automatically attached to videos promoting terrorism and hate speech in response, the video site improved its safeguards, right. making it easier for the brands to avoid pairing their ads with the risky content, content types. Uh, mm, no, it's appeased the brands, but it uh, had its unintended effect. And I, unintended it might not necessarily be the right word. Some creators complained that their channels had become unintended victims of YouTube's effort to shield brands from dangerous content. Many channels saw massive drops in revenue, some losing all of their ads. And this apocalypse, they were making ten to thirteen thousand. I'm sorry, fifteen thousand. Ten to fifteen grand a month. I mean, I'm I'm willing to vi- edit some videos for ten grand a month. What do you think? But it dropped down to $333 a month. I mean, that puts some people out of business. If you have video editors, some of these YouTubers. So I'm listening to my kids and I'm thinking, well, you know, if you come up with some content, you know, I'll, I'll let you get a YouTube channel and then we can get you, you know, we'll get you, we'll get you a laptop for the back room and you guys can edit videos, a couple of, get you a couple of decent cameras and you guys can create some content and, you know, then you can learn, you know, have your own schedule and you can learn what it's like to, you know, create something and then edit it and upload it and try to get people to watch it and advertise it, that kind of thing. You know, it'd be a good thing. And, uh, and my son says, yeah, well, you know, maybe if it gets going, I can get a, you know, we can go ahead and get a video editor. Many of the YouTubers have their video editors and when the money got cut, they had to drop it. Stop it. Okay. What do you do for a living? I edit uh, the Apocalypse YouTube videos. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. Now, the lawsuit is uh, 
targeting California's unfair competition law. The two creators hope that they can compel YouTube to reveal the specifics of its algorithms. <laughs> Good luck. YouTube has a duty to disclose with detailed specificity and complete transparency the terms by which content is selected or deselected for monetization. Okay. Failing to disclose this essential information to content providers along with maintaining unilateral control to change the terms and conditions which govern the payment received by content providers for their creative work is anti-competitive, harmful to the creative content market, and also a breach of good faith and fair dealing. And that's I'm, prior to this next uh, a paragraph, I was telling my kids, you know, again, I was saying, well, YouTube, I'm sure, you know, they're a, they're a private company, so I'm sure they have a disclaimer. And, and I don't know this because I haven't really, I mean, I, do I use YouTube? Absolutely. Do Am I aware of all their rules and regulations? No, I am not a YouTuber. Although for ten to $15,000 a month, I could become one. Uh, I'm thinking, well, YouTube's got to have their disclaimer, like, you can put up anything you want, but uh, and if you make some money, we'll share it with you. Good day. Other than that, have a nice day. If we feel like we don't like your video or you're putting up crap, we'll pull it. If we don't put ads on your video, you're not going to make anything. Good day. We'll give you a penny a subscriber. Whatever the deal is. Whatever the deal is. That's their deal. It's the private company, and you either can use them or not use them. The big obstacle the lawsuit will have to overcome can be found right at the top of YouTube's terms of service. Although we may attempt to notify you when major changes are made to these terms of service, you should periodically review the most up-to-date version. YouTube may, in its sole discretion, modify or revise these terms of service and policies at any time, and you agree to be bound by such modifications or revisions. Nothing in these terms of service shall be deemed to confer any third-party rights or benefits. Now, YouTube responded with, look, we've always worked hard to provide creators with the opportunity to earn revenue on our platform. (laughs) We've tried hard for that. And uh, you know what? We're still trying hard for that. But uh, you can go beat sand trying to get some more out of this. So good luck with that. I mean, I get get their frustration. It is is a frustrating thing when you're especially using a product uh, and you've been making uh, some decent income. And then uh, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. I can understand the frustration. But um, you've got to be prepared when you're using another person's product. Uh, they get to do what they want with their product. That's what makes this America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're not, you know what? You can start your own YouTube. Yeah. You can do that. You can start your own YouTube. And then you could make up your own rules. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher. Yes. Hey, that's me. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Follow me on Twitter, at JeffyMRA. Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. Instagram, at JeffyMRA. And, of course, uh, you can go to my channel on The Blaze. Just go to theblaze.com. You'll see the channels. Click on the channel. Scroll down. I see Jeff Fisher. 
uh, Jeffy Fisher, click on that and just like it or follow it or whatever they tell you to do. And then when stuff gets posted on there, they'll they'll let you know. Uh, coming up next hour, we're going to be talking to Nigel Cameron. Will Robots Take Your Jobs is his book, and it's fascinating um, because everyone's kind of trying to dodge the bullet over uh, should we be worried or should we not be worried and should we be thinking about it. And uh, apparently, uh, at least the United States has been not on the cutting edge of thinking ahead. And we better do that soon. When you go to uh, the website, uh, glennbeck.com, there is a poll that asks, uh, what do you think? Uh, Does AI creep you out or make you excited? Take the poll. And you scroll down and it says, hey, does AI make you nervous? Yes, it's creepy and a huge unknown. No, when and where do I get my own robot? I'm clicking on that one. No, when and where do I get my own robot? Let's see what happens. Vote now. I voted now. Come on. Vote now. Why won't it? Why can't I vote? <laughs> Why can't I vote? I want to know what, if I'm like other people or not. It's not. All right, we're going to reset the stupid thing. I want to vote. I want to find out if it's creepy or if I'm like other people. Does AI give you heebie jeebies? Okay. Vote now. No. Okay. All right. No. When and where do I get my own robot? Only 13%? 87% of you said, yes, it's creepy and a huge unknown. Wait till you get your own robot. Then, then you'll be singing a different tune. Okay? And never mind. Never mind that, uh, you know, that Facebook has pulled the plug on the you know, they, they've pulled the plug. They made a big deal out of them pulling the plug on the robots that were creating their own language. Shut down a pair of its artificial intelligence robots. They invented their own language. But they just bought another AI company. Uh, just within the, after the time that this story broke, they bought another AI company. So I don't think Facebook is giving up. Uh, I think they just made a big deal out of this to make it look like uh, we've got it under control. There's no way we would ever let robots rule anything other than we're ruling them. Now, the language I found fascinating, uh, Bob and Alice, the two robots. Uh, Bob, I can, I, I, everything else. Alice, balls have zero to me, 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 to me. Bob, you, I, everything else. Alice, balls have a ball to me, 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 to me. Bob, I, I, can, I, 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 everything else. Alice, balls have a ball to me, to me, to me, to me, to. Bob, I. (laughs) Now, you laugh, and I laugh, because it sounds kind of funny. However, they understood each other. They knew exactly, I mean, Bob knew exactly what Alice meant. When Alice said, balls have a ball to me, to me, to me, to me, to me, to me, too. I mean, that's when Bob went, I. (laughs) So, I mean, don't laugh. (laughs) I, okay? 
Because you could be Bob at any point in time. You know, Bob is Bob's like the Bob's, <laughs> Bob's the husband. I. She won't shut up about the balls to me, to me, to me, to me. I. Right, I got it. I got that's just too short. I got it. That's robot verbi. I got it. I just shut up, Alice. I take you anymore. That's what it is. I figured it out, Facebook. Don't you call call me. Call me. I'll stop by and we'll figure out the we'll figure out the Bob and Alice uh what they're talking about. Because Bob is like, I can, I, I, everything else. I mean, you know what he's saying there, right? Yeah, I got it, Alice. Just leave get off me. Leave me alone. And she's like, balls have zero to me, 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 to me. That's Alice saying, uh, get off me. Bob is like, you, I, everything else? Uh, balls have a ball to me, to me, to me, to me, to me, to me, to me. Right here, Bob's getting a little frustrated. And he's like, I, I, can, I, 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 everything else. And Alice is like, Balls have a ball to me, to me, to me, to me, to me, to me, too. And Bob was like, I. I mean, that's just you and me. Just like, I, oh, I got it. Okay. I got it. Just stop speaking now. Okay, Alice. I. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the broadcast. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook Jeff Fisher Radio, and Instagram at JeffyMRA. So with the poll on the Glenn Beck website, glennbeck.com, does AI make you nervous? 87% of you answered yes. It's creepy and a huge unknown. And yet we use... AI every day, voice technology. It's already in our lives. Uh, the military is using it. Uh, but we still have people who believe that the collapse is coming and society is coming. We got word from a former Facebook executive saying he believes society will collapse within 30 years as robots put half of humans out of work. Will the society collapse with only half the humans out of work? I'm not sure. But I have a book in my hands. Will robots take your job? Nigel Cameron goes through the idea and the process of will robots take your job? Who's looking into it? What can happen? What we can do about it? And what needs to really be done uh, for the future to, you know, either make it happen or not make it happen. Nigel, thanks for joining us on the broadcast today. How are you, sir? Great to be here. Thank you very much. Um, so 
the question, will robots take your job? Before we get to that, uh, you know, so many people, as in the poll, think that, uh, you know, AI is creepy and a huge unknown. And I'm sure that they're actually, they're not referring to what we all know is under the AI tent. They're referring to, you know, the creepy robot that comes in and says, I want to kill you. Um, you have said that uh, we, as here in the United States anyway, are far behind the eight ball on preparing the masses for what's going to happen. Is that still true today? Absolutely true. You know, I mean, at election cycle, I sat through every single one of the debates, both sides, the whole lot. Not one word was said about this question. This is a huge, huge question. Um, do you believe that uh, how, how many years? How many years do we have? Well, I mean, there are some big, big reports out there saying something like 15 years, 25 years. We aren't quite sure, but I mean, big changes ahead and then certainly in our lifetime. So when uh, let's use uh, the Teamsters, for example, we hear stories all the time about the driverless trucks. And we've seen I've seen videos of the trucks actually working. And I see that uh, they've started where they're making the test runs actually have a human sit in the truck. I mean, that saves the Teamsters job for maybe four years, maybe. Uh, after, after, the, after that truck drives uh, uh, accident-free for about two years, the company's going to go, yeah, we don't need you anymore. Get out. Yeah, the thing, thing about trucks is, you know, I mean, they're very expensive things to operate. And so the notion you could get, you know, 24-hour operation, cut accidents, cut insurance costs, you know, cut environmental issues, lower gas, all that kind of stuff, you know, and cutting it on labor. I mean, it's incredible. And we're going to begin with trucks. I mean, a lot of this stuff yeah. we don't know. We don't know whether there'll be new jobs or bad you know, We do know there'll be no jobs driving trucks down freeways. I mean, that, <laughs> that's a dead cert, 10 years' time. And I actually talked about this with someone from AFL-CIO. I said, what would you, doesn't it worry you the Teamsters might have zero members? And the guy just said, no, no, it'll all be all right. <laughs> I don't I, understand why people aren't getting worried. I mean, that's, that's a complete dream world, that it'll all be all right. I mean, we should you already see, I mean, be... One of the things that really worries me about the truck driving, I mean, this, this is the leading single occupation for men in the United States, truck drivers. Right. It's, 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 it's the most popular job. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll still need truck drivers. Obviously, we'll still need truck drivers to deliver to places outside of where uh, most uh, GPSs and computer-drawn maps have drawn, right? I mean, the highway system is is good, and you'll be able to drive from one, uh, you know, one populated area to another populated area. But to deliver the things, you probably will need still need truck drivers uh, not, you know, cross-country truck drivers, but you still need for, delivery people. For the moment. For the moment. Right. Yes. Right. But, of course, uh, one thing is leading to another. I, I know. But even with the driverless cars, and that's coming too, which leads to a whole other topic right next to the driverless trucks, is that, uh, you know, you're going to end up, the people who are driving are the ones that are the problem, not the computer. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the things people often say, well, you know, these are really diff- difficult things. I don't know how computers can be smart enough. Humans are terrible drivers. We are <laughs> awful drivers. You know, yes. we kill. I mean, you know, the number of accidents on the U.S. roads is going up. It went up 25 percent in the last couple of years. 40,000 people killed. We're terrible drivers. It's not going to be that hard for computers to be better than we are. Right. And so we're the problem. So when I mean, it won't take long before uh 
you're not going to be able to drive in for sure inside a, a, a city, right? Before inside the city limits. And well, at least you'll be paying a premium in your insurance because you'll be a riskier driver than the machines. That's what's going to happen first. Big discounts if you use the machines. Right. So, um, I mean, so anyway, once we get outside, I mean, there's so many, so many places in the United States that still want to be able to drive. Uh, they're not going to want to give up their vehicles. So, I mean, at first we're talking about, as far as driverless cars and delivery trucks, and, you know, you're talking about the the metropolitan areas because the people outside of the metropolitan areas, they're, they're not going to want to give up their pickup truck. They're just not going to want to. I mean, I, I don't want to. Well, I think I think a lot of us like driving. Um, I think it's, it's ultimately it'll be it'll be economics first of all. I mean, insurance rates will will change, um, and then people will you know there'll be a new a new way of looking at this. I mean, for example, if you can get into your into your pickup and you can still drink, you know, uh, right? You get in and you and you can watch a movie. You Look, know, I mean, I mean the the content's going to change. I'm all for that. I mean, I took the I <laughs> I worked in Manhattan for you know for a while and lived in Pennsylvania. I took the train in and out of the city every day, and while the train ride itself gets uh, kind of agonizing. I got a lot of work done on the train. I mean, when we moved, when we moved the company to Texas, I had to change the whole focus of how I worked because while I drive to work, that took work time away. It's it, it, enormous amounts of time is spent commuting, you know, and it, and it's it's, it's going to shift now. Of course, we maybe there'll be all sorts of new jobs to make up for these jobs, and maybe we'll get used to this new way of working. But I mean, insurance rates are going to go down. There'll be far fewer jobs, for example, for people in emergency medicine because there'll be fewer casualties. You know, all I mean, insurance agents. Right. I mean, there are millions of insurance agents. I mean, their retail insurance will basically be over because this will be fleet based and so on. I mean, right. You know, and what worries me most, I mean, I think some of the changes will be wonderful, but yes. why is no one up there in the top end of government actually even talking about these things and what they're going to mean for us? Well, do you think that they will uh, end up, um, and I'm talking to Nigel Cameron, by the way, author of uh, Will Robots Take Your Job. Um, do you think that maybe that by not talking about it, they just believe that, hey, we're just going to give everybody a min come and they can just shut up? Well, that's an interesting point. And interestingly, I mean, people have been arguing this from the right as well as the left for a long time now. The most interesting uh, thing recently was Charles Murray, you know, his big conservative intellectual, made a speech at the American Enterprise Institute, you know, top sort of pro-business think tank, printed it in the Wall Street Journal. And he says, you know, we're going to have to think about a universal income. So we basically pay people whether they work or not. I'm not sure where that's going to happen. I mean, I think there are other ways we could do this, for example, reducing retirement ages. But it's certainly a real possibility there'll be fewer jobs. I mean, we've had for a long time, you know, what we call full employment. That basically means anybody who really wants a job can usually get one. That's really what it means. If that ends, we end up with a huge, huge new kind of problem, which is people who really want jobs and are hardworking and want to get jobs, and they're not going to be able to get them. The government isn't even talking about it. Right. And and that's where we're talking about now that while the income would be, uh, you know, I I guess if we're talking about, okay, saying the income is a good thing, it's a good thing if you take away all the other help that the government provides. Um, you know, so you say, you know, we'll give everybody, you can still work and you can still do whatever you want. We're going to give you so much a month to, this is what we believe you can survive on. And we're going to give you so much a month, but all the other help goes away. 
Well, people have argued for universal income from both ends of a spectrum. That's the conservative view of it. It doesn't cost us any more money. We just take all the benefits and we divide them all up. And that's the kind of thing that people like Murray want. From, from, from the progressive end, it's more we need to add new benefits. <laughs> and, of course, we, well, one of the things we just don't know is whether all these robot AI stuff will produce far more money, whether ultimately these will be highly profitable things that produce you know, much bigger tax income for government and so on. So there's more to go around. We just don't know that. Well, I mean, I that's we why... Have, we, we have have to plan as if that's not going to happen and that the, the, the pie remains the same size. Well, that's what, I mean, uh, Gates was talking about taxing the robots, right? That's what he believes. With, as long as they're going to create more income, then we tax them so we have more tax revenue from that. It's an interesting um, argument because basically, I mean, what governments do, I mean, you know, we all agree there have to be some sort of tax for something and governments basically tax where value I don't know that I want to agree with that. I don't know that I want to agree with that, Nigel, <laughs> but you go ahead. <laughs> You know, governments tax where you add value. And if you take away a worker and put in a machine, and you were taxing the worker previously, um, it makes sense to tax the machine. And that's Gates' view. I'm not, I'm not sure whether he's right, but at least he's putting ideas out there. And boy, do we eat ideas. Absolutely. Where do you see, where do you see, us, uh, where do you see us at in uh, five years, then 10 years, then 15 years? The next five, you know, we'll triple it out. Five, 10, 15. Well, I think in five years' time, this is going to be a really hard issue. And politicians and other sort of civic leaders who've thought about it will have a big advantage because they find something to say about it. I think in 10 years' time, we're certainly going to be seeing some self-driving trucks and that kind of stuff really happening. A lot more automation in the home, you know, smart homes, systems controlling all your heating and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. going to be the norm. Um, it almost then, is now, really. I mean, hmm? I, I, it almost is now, really. I mean, I guess maybe in the, you know, the... The masses around the country doesn't have it, but boy, so many so many uh, municipalities sure have it. I mean, if you're living in uh, in any kind of uh, a city, you have access to so much, so many things like that that it's it's made life pretty good. I think a lot of things have been creeping up on us, and they're going to come together in much more obvious ways. Um, that some people find exciting, some will find challenging, and will certainly be very disruptive to, to, to business because this is going to make big changes in the way in which pretty much everything in the economy operates. I mean, you yeah. know, one of the interesting stories recently is, you know, John Deere, you know, the fights with John Deere tractors. Because, I mean, they're now basically laden down with computer software. Right. I mean, that, and, you, can, we, you see the – I love the, the fields – uh, when you go to, you know, Idaho or Utah or Montana, wherever the giant fields are, and you have the John Deere tractors, and you see the fields uh, uh, actually plowed in certain geometric forms, that's all computer, man. That's all GPS. It, it maps out. We can use this much ground, and it goes. It's beautiful. It's amazing, the accuracy that they have now. And the big fight's on now because John Deere, the farmers, can't fix their own tractors because basically all the stuff's owned by the company. <laughs> So they're, they're hacking, they're, they're getting stuff from the Ukraine to hack into their systems. I mean, this is, this is not farming like, you know, like our grandparents farmed. <laughs> but now, okay, so, all right, let's say they're doing that. Wouldn't it be better for John Deere just to say, hey, we're now hiring people to fix these, and we, you know, we'll send them out to your farm? So that's creating new jobs, right? Well, it is. And, of course, they, they, the, the, what, what they, what they, we we're always going to have criminals. There's always going to be people trying to hack Get get and, and, and whenever you have disruption, you have change. People look for new ways. They look for workarounds. Um, but I think one of the things it illustrates is just how dramatic this is. I mean, nothing was more traditional than farming a generation ago. And now it really is on the cutting edge of these new AI technologies. And this is going to happen to every single occupation in the country. I mean, it already is, right? I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, robots uh, doing uh, lung surgery. I read, saw a headline last night talking about uh, the robotics of uh, lung cancer surgery. 
how it makes it so much how it's going to make it so much easier. I mean, we're creating robotic legs for paralyzed people. I mean, it's all you know that that's the good side, right? I mean, that's the good side. We're extending life, but on the other hand, we're extending life to do what? To sit in a room and wish they had a job? Well, I mean, this is the point. It isn't. It isn't just people like drivers. I mean, if it's going to be lung surgeons, you know, what are they going to do with themselves? I mean, I think this is what's really interesting about this. It's right across the economy. It's top to bottom. This isn't just certain kinds of jobs. Everything's going to get easier and cheaper and smarter, and therefore require less human effort. All right. So, ten years. I think. I think. I think ten years. This is. You know. This is going to have arrived. This is going to be a huge issue. And I just don't know what's going to happen to our politics because, I mean, I don't know whether this is a GOP issue, whether it's a Dem issue. It's right across the board. It's a new kind of issue. It doesn't really fit left and right. This no. isn't pro-tech, anti-tech. And I, it's ultimately how we have an economy in which there are jobs for people to do. And I don't want to, you know, I know that I don't want to talk about, uh, you know, the one world order, but it's really a global thing. I mean, while the United States uh, can say, hey, we've put, uh, we've stopped uh, work on uh, computers of these particular AI robots because they started to create their own language, uh, that doesn't mean that Japan's stopping work on those. It's a huge problem. And the point is, it's a global competitive environment. I think, I think one of the interesting things, though, is going to be it's countries that really put all the pieces together that will really do well. People are concerned about the human end of this, about how people need jobs, they want something to do with themselves all day long. It's not just going to be people who go all out for technology who are going to win. And I think this is a terrific opportunity for us to think more about how we want to put the pieces together. So we automate all we want to automate, but we leave things for people to do, and we leave an environment in which ultimately it's about people. I mean, technology is all about people. People aren't all about technology. And I think if we get that right way around, I think this gives us economic competitiveness quite apart from anything else. I'm going to leave it at that. I love that. It was optimistic. It was beautiful. I liked the way that sounded. Nigel Cameron, uh, author of Will Robots Take Your Job. Thank you so much for your time, sir. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Great to talk. Great Have a to good talk weekend. To Bye-bye. You too. Nigel Cameron, Will Robots Take Your Job. Now, basically what he said is uh, we're all doomed. You're listening to The Jeff Fisher Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to an 888 It's not the Jeff Fisher Show. It's the Jeff Fisher Program on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for coming along for the ride. So we talked to Nigel Cameron. Uh, Will Robots Take Your Job? Fascinating. We kind of, we kind of uh, you know, broad-stroked everything with Nigel. Maybe we'll have him back and dig a little bit deeper because, my gosh, there's uh, we could take another, peel another layer off the onion. Because you look at, I mean, I've got a, a stack of just uh, homemade robots, crack safe in just 30 minutes. Artificial intelligence, no longer just a sci-fi fantasy, says AT&T. I mean, AT&T is using their surface. Uh, you know, ru- our, some of our new globalist rulers, like Elon Musk, he believes that it's the end of times. They have 
robot soccer tournaments. And you think, well, what good is that? It, it really wasn't that good. But it will be. It's practice, getting them to set up to feed off of each other, right? Russia unveils new weapon to protect England fans from hooligans. During the World Cup, they're going to have four-foot-tall robots roaming the crowds as security, right? A robot priest. They've got granting auto blessings. They've got robots playing a piano concerto with another pianist, right? Uh, the Navy has got uh, the, the Navy and just the military across the board is using robots uh, to fight wars. We'll be having sex with robots in the next 10 years. Some of us may be already doing that. Wait, did I say that out loud? And of course, Facebook, my favorite story where they talked about shutting down the AI. We had to shut down the AI because they created a special language and we didn't want them to keep talking without us knowing what they were saying. But uh, it was like the next day, maybe even the same day they bought another AI startup. Uh, you know, just because that's what they do. They buy that. It's what they do. But I found it fascinating that uh, no one is really dealing with the issue. And somebody better deal with it soon because it's coming. And some would say that it's already here. And if you think that you are impervious to this, good luck. Good luck. Because you ain't. And neither am I, and neither are our children. And, I mean, I don't know that I have any of the answers except for maybe we think about making sure our children are able to adapt and overcome and change and not get locked in like we did. I mean, when I was a kid, guys worked at, uh, you know, Saginaw Steering Gear for 20 years, 25 years, and retired to a cottage on a small lake in Michigan. That's what you did. Um... I knew I was never going to do that and, and never will. So things change like that all the time. It's time to be be prepared. Be prepared for the future of AI. The Jeff Fisher Show. The Blaze Radio Network. is the phone number. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. This is the Saturday lineup on the Blaze Radio Network. Myself. Immediately following this broadcast, Lawrence Jones, Mike Slater, Joe Pags. Why go anywhere else on a Saturday? And then before me is uh, Opelka, Mike Opelka. He's on from 6 to six to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Michael Pelka. I got to remember that name. I don't know why I keep forgetting that stupid name. Opelka. Mike Opelka. Yeah. You know, funny, he's on every day on the Blaze Radio Network, too. Monday through Friday. And uh, you'd think I'd remember his name, but for the life of me, I can't. 
Because Monday through Friday, you got Doc Thompson on in the morning. And then you've got Glenn Beck. And then you've got Mike Opelka. How do we remember his name? And then uh, Chris Salcedo and Pat Stu. Buck Sexton. There's no way. You need not go anywhere else. Sundays, you got Jackie Daly shows kicking off Sunday morning into David Barton, Bill Handel, Yarn Brooks. I mean, if you were to say go someplace else instead of the Blaze Radio Network, you would come back and you would ask yourself, why did I do that? So instead of asking yourself, why did I do that? Just don't do it. It's a helpful tip for me. So my kids, uh, last night uh, here in the Metroplex, uh, Queen was playing. Queen with uh, Adam Lambert pretending to be Freddie Mercury. I wasn't pretending to be Freddie Mercury. I'm Adam Lambert. I was just singing their songs. Okay. Uh, and boy, I, you know, I really wanted to kind of go. And, I'm, and uh, my son really wanted to go because he's really big into Queen these days. And uh, don't, uh, but he's, you know, he's a 15-year-old. He loves Queen. Get off me. I don't care. He went to Metallica earlier this year, too. So, I mean, he's just broadening his horizons. But they wanted to go. Now, I thought, okay, you know what? I'll take the kids. Because they a lot of times they're running around the house joking around singing Queen songs. And, you know, we're laughing, having a good time. So I thought, yeah, you know. You can watch the Freddie Mercury concerts and get the feel. But, you know, we'll go to, you know, I'll, I'll take them to it. I want mean, like 86 bucks a ticket. 86 bucks a ticket to see Adam Lambert and Queen? Uh, no, thank you. And you got to park. And then, you know, I mean, you're going to tell the kids, no, you can't have a soda? I mean, you could, but I feel bad that I have one and they don't. So I end up having to buy them one. And so you're looking at, you know, more than over $200, 200 300 bucks for a Friday night to see Queen? No, thank you. No. I could spend my two, $300 on something else. I, you know, should we have gone? Probably. That's the way they make their money in today's world. I get it. I mean, Donald Fagan. Donald Fagan. Musical icon. Steely Dan, right? He's on his own stuff. He's who is 69 years old now. 69 years old. Donald Fagan. Anyway, he's back on tour. I mean, this guy's a rock legend, and he's back on tour. And he's, why is he back on tour? Because he can't make any money selling albums. Can't do it. Doesn't make any money. The only way they make money is on tour. He said when the bottom fell out of the record business uh, years ago, it deprived me of the luxury of earning a living from records. I don't sell enough albums to cover the cost of recording them the way I like to. For me, touring is the only way to make a living. Okay, and that's and they're all they're all that way now, right? I mean, you can you get the streaming. You want to be able to, uh, you know, you want to be able to spend ten bucks a month and stream whatever song you want, or you want to be able to stream whatever song you want for free. I hate people like that. Just want to listen. <laughs> Just want to type in a song and have it play for you on your computer without paying. <laughs> I mean, that's great, right? I mean, that's what that's a great thing in today's world, man. You want to hear a song? You type it in. 
And there it is. There it is. Someone has put it in the, the computer system for you to hear. Whether it's Bill from Kansas who took a picture of the Steely Dan album and then recorded the song onto his computer and uploaded it to YouTube and you get to listen to it. And it says, man, that's not the crappy recording. Okay, well, find a better recording then. There's probably 80 others. I mean, it's amazing times. But Donald Fagan didn't get any of that money. He got the money from the Kansas guy who bought the album. That's it. The rest of us are all freeloaders. So when you see all these old rock guys on tour, man, you have to go see them. So I apologize to Queen. I apologize to Adam Lambert and Queen. My apologies from the bottom of my heart. I should have spent my money to go and see you so that at least you could make some money. And I want you to know that that it hurts me now that I think about it. It hurts me. This is gonna. This is this story. You remember Ronnie James Dio, Black Sabbath. All right. Now he's the former Black Sabbath frontman. He died of stomach cancer in 2010. All right. Now his family, uh, the wife Wendy Dio, who's probably thinking, I've got to maintain a lifestyle that I've become accustomed to. And with Ronnie dead, it's been seven years, and I've blown through this. <laughs> There's no more income. I've blown through this money, and they're going to take this place, and I kind of like this house. And I don't know that that's happening. I'm just guessing. What does she do? I mean, it's kind of genius, right? He's going to be going on tour as a hologram. Oh, that is fantastic. A 100, an entire 100 concert world tour will feature holographic display of her deceased husband as a live band plays in tune with his, with his archival recordings. You know, it gives the fans that saw Ronnie perform an opportunity to see him again. <sighs> yeah. And I bet that, uh, those millions on that tour isn't going to help, isn't going to hurt either, is it, Wendy? <laughs> no. That but genius idea. I mean, come on. You thought, uh, who was the first, uh, I guess maybe, um, nah. nah, why, Tupac? Maybe. I mean, yeah, well, with the hologram, yeah, that's probably true. Because I was thinking that Natalie Cole was the first one that, you know, was still milking milking her dad for money, right? Because she had the big video and the big scene where she was singing the duet with his dad and, and Nat was long since dead, right? I mean, and Nat, a legend, hello. I mean, who's not going to, uh, who doesn't love Nat King Cole? If you raise your hand, you're dead to me. Don't raise your hand telling me Nat King Cole is dead to you. Don't do it. This is the same guy, the same guy, bad-mouthing Don Hull earlier today. Same guy is going to raise his hand on Nat King Cole in this room. My Saturday producer. My Saturday producer telling me earlier in here, oh, I was making fun. Somebody mentioned Don Ho, and I was like, who's Don Ho? Okay, that pisses me off, first of all. If you, uh, if you don't know who Don Ho is, look it up. 
because you should. All right. And Don Ho is a legend. He's a Hawaiian legend. If you know anything about music, you know Don Ho. So don't raise your hand about that kid Cole. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because that will, holy crap, that will make me mad. That pisses me off. Tell me you never heard Tiny Bubbles. Don Ho, Tiny Bubbles. Tell me the truth. Tiny bubbles in the wise. Come on. It's down the hole. Holy, you are so close to being out of a job. Holy crap. You better buy sat next week. I better hear Don Ho blasted out of that room. You know, that was my mother who's been dead now for several years. That was her favorite song. Now you brought that memory back to me. You better be, Don Ho better be blasting out of that room next week, okay? Or you're gone over my mother. <laughs> One of my... One of my mother's favorite lines was she was at a wedding reception and the guy was setting up to be the DJ at the reception and she came up and asked the guy if he had tiny bubbles and he said, no, but I've got some gas. And uh, that was one of her. Anyway, that's a little joke there. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. So what? The Don Ho has been dead for ten, dead for ten years. Doesn't he have a son though that goes around pretending to be Don Ho on the islands now? Look it up. The whole family, Dot Mom Pa Ho, and the whole family. I think his son tries to go around singing Don Ho songs and stuff around the islands and still tries to milk off dad's fame. Pretty sure. I bet you that's right. I mean, I guess I could be wrong, but there's got to be Don Ho. I mean, as long as if you're on in Hawaii, there's going to be Don Ho impersonators. You're there. That's what you do. I mean, if I'm, if I'm in Hawaii, I'm either impersonating the, uh, who's the giant... <laughs> He's dead now, too. Who's the uh, the extra fat guy that sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow? No, not Judy Garland, although she's dead, too. But the guy from Hawaii. I don't remember his name, but he, he's been his song was in a bunch of movies, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And he was this extra overweight person. And uh, he's, you know, he's dead now, too. So you're either going to pretend to be him or Don Ho if you're living in Hawaii. That's who you, that's who you, him, or maybe you pretend to be Steve McGarrett for 50. That's it. That's all you know. That's all you need to know about Hawaii. Oh, you got Tom Selleck too. That's right. I forgot about Tom Selleck. You got him. So you either got you got him, you got the overweight guy singing somewhere over the rainbow. Did you find remember his name?
Not all jobs are going to be done by robots. If you're looking for a job, call 888-900-3393. Because there may be an opening soon. So Bill Murray. I am a big fan of Bill Murray's. Always have been. I always kind of. I always. This is one guy I've never met, and I would like to. I w- would like to meet Bill Murray. And I know that he's. You know, he's one of those characters that doesn't have uh, email. He has a toll-free number that you call and leave a message, and sooner or later he gets back to you. He calls you back, and he just travels around. He shows up places like you'd be. You know, you're at a you're at a bar and look up, and hey, there's Bill Murray. So there's another st- brand new story out of out of Michigan. That Bill Murray said he was in Bay City, Michigan, and he loves the people in Bay City, Michigan. He said he had car problems in Bay City. We were living leaving Bay City, and it overheated. It was kind of the road. People stopped, got him a tow truck, took him to get some food while they were waiting for the car to get fixed, took him to uh, someplace on Saginaw Street, a great burger uh, they had no idea who I was either, which made my day, honestly. Uh, people in Bay City are the real deal. Now, let me add that I uh, grew up in uh, Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, Saginaw, Bay City, and Midland are the tri-cities in Michigan. Uh, right there, if you look at Michigan, on a, uh, if you hold up your right hand, uh, that's Michigan. And Saginaw, Bay City would be right where your, your thumb, the bay, that's the bay where your thumb Meets your your first pointer finger. That's the down at the bottom. That's where Saginaw, basically the middle. That's my my geography lesson for you in today's world. And uh, you know, I've got I know a few people in Bay City and uh, spent a little time in Bay City and good for them. But uh, Bill, if you want to show up, I mean, here I would love. I'll pretend I don't know you if you want. If it makes you feel better, I'll pretend I don't know you, and then we'll go out. And we'll hang out. I'll buy you a burger. I mean, what, what the hell? You're Bill Murray, right? Oh, wait, I don't know you're Bill Murray. I mean, you're a good guy. I mean, Bill's had a great life. I mean, how old? Bill's almost 66, the 60s now. Jeez. You know, it's been, I was looking at a story, t- a couple weeks, the 16th of this month, it'll be 40 years since the death of Elvis Presley. 40 years since Elvis Presley's died. Not one bad word about Elvis from you in the other room. Not one. I will have use. You'll be out of here. Faster than someone can take out the trash. Is there a bad mouth in Elvis? I'll tell you that right now. That'd be trouble right here in River City. I mean, you want to talk about... You want to talk about balls have... Have a ball zero to me, to me, to me. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, so 
the destroying myself Oh, we gotta do the WF masks. Oh, I got the moves to the tubes. Tiny bubbles. In a while. Are we on? Psychology researchers from Michigan State University and the University of Michigan conducted a study to determine if self-talk could reduce anxiety. You should talk to yourself. It'll make you feel better. Did you know that? Have you ever, did you, have you ever known anyone that actually talks to themselves? Like, I mean, I, obviously, I, I, if you count talking to yourself like, I've got to do this story, and I'm going to lay this story out, and I want to talk about that. Oh, yeah, and I can't, I can't forget to talk to, about, talk to you about that. And I'm trying to, you know, get myself straight in my head what, what, uh, you know, what I want to share with you. But I actually have been uh, in familiar territory with humans who talk to themselves. And by, I mean, arms flailing. I can't take it anymore. Tell me to do this. I've got to do this. And talk to themselves. I mean, it's kind of a strange little thing. However, however, according to this study, Subjects were shown disturbing images, such as a man holding a gun to their heads. Then they were asked to respond to the pictures in first person, third person, as their brain activity was being involved. For the second one, they were asked to recall traumatic experience in their first person and then in third person, and the brain activity was reviewed. In both cases, they found that participants displayed less brain activity in the region most associated with storing emotional experiences when speaking in the third person. So speak in the third person, talk to yourself, make it all better. Make it all better, okay? That helps people gain a tiny bit of psychological distance from their experiences, which can often be useful for regulating emotions. <laughs> Isn't that special? Welcome to the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter, at JeffyMRA. Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. Instagram, JeffyMRA. Go to theblaze.com. Click on the channels button. Look for Jeffy Fisher. Click on that. Follow me there. You'll be alerted when new stories uh, go goes up, uh, new stories from this show. And I do uh, a few other little tidbits uh, once in a while and throw it up on the Blaze channel uh, just for your entertainment. And then uh, oh, and then I come back. I, I left the room for a little bit because the building uh, is quite possibly turning into the surface of the sun uh, since all the air conditioners are turned off. And so I'm trying to get a couple of uh, – trying to get – Go to the blowers. Try to get some AC turned on. And uh, while it seems to be uh, stuck on the off position and won't uh, go to the on position. But I had left the studio for a few moments. And I come back and I've got the 800 number to Bill Murray in front of me. Nice. Thank you. Don't try to suck up now. Don't try to suck up now. Like, Mr. Oh, he's really pissed at me about the Don Ho thing. I'll get him the Bill Murray number. Don't. Don't try to suck up to me with that. Okay. I mean, it worked. It did work, but don't. Don't, because I'm going to be calling Bill here today and saying hello and seeing if, you know, maybe the next time he's in Dallas, we can hook up. I'd love to hang out with Bill Murray. Love it. So we talked earlier about robots taking jobs, and you know that 
robots are going to be taking jobs from you as far as planetary protection officer. But as of right now, they still want humans. NASA is willing to pay you up to $187,000 a year to defend Earth from aliens. Come on. That's a good gig. I would love to have the special badge, man. The Planetary Protection Officer, PPO. I'm calling the Planetary Protection Officers. They defend Earth and the cosmos from alien contamination. This following the Outer Space Treaty of 1967. No. I mean, nice. Planetary Protection Officer. Now, the salary ranges from 124000 to 187000 hmm. So the creation of the position stems from the Outer Space Treaty, which demands nations and parties exploring space adopt appropriate, appropriate coverage to uh, handle adverse changes in the environment of the Earth resulting from the introduction of extraterrestrial matter. The agreement requires space missions to have less than 1 in 10,000 chance of contaminating another planet. Yeah, good luck with that. But I was wondering if, uh, you know, if you have to wear a special suit, I might be out. Because they probably don't have the fat guy suit. A little disappointed about that. NASA's always got the, if you see the guys in the space shuttle, and when they're flying flying up and they're going into space, going to the, going to the, uh, the space house that we just fly up and take trash from and come back and leave people up there. Thanks. And now we're letting SpaceX do it. So thank you. I'm all about that. We should have not been, we should not have been paying for trash pickup at the space station. That's all we were doing. Here's more food and uh, give us your trash and then we'll go back to earth. That should all, all be private. Even if we have to deal with, I mean, you know who runs the trash departments? Yeah even in space. That's why you need to have the planetary protection officer. But anyway, you see those astronauts taking off in the shuttle. And I mean, they are, that's a tight squeeze there. There's no, there's no room for a guy like me. (laughs) There's no room for a guy like me at at all. They'd be like, uh, Nope. It's like getting on a roller coaster. You know where they have the roller coaster has the fat guy seat up front, but it really isn't really. A, it's like a designer fat guy seat. And if you've ever sat in that seat and want to feel good about yourself, you're not going to make that happen because if you what happens is they set you down and they go, "Yo, this is the big guy seat," and they pull the thing up over your shoulders and your head like that, and it won't fit just right. So the kid, you know, the 15 year old kid that's working the ride. Leans back, puts his foot up on it, and just jams it, locks it shut. Oh. Uh, you locked in? Yes, I locked in. Uh, I'm good. I'm ready to fun on the ride. We're good here. That's a tight squeeze. <laughs> Bro, the last one I was on, I almost said just, just oh, go ahead, I'm not hooking. I don't know that I want to go on the full ride. And then it started. That bad boy gets tight now. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it's the seat or me that made it tight. Huh. Figure that one out. But uh, that's what it'd be like in the space show. <laughs> in the space show. 
You'd see the other two astronauts all squeezed into one little corner. Oh, fine. Don't worry about that one big fat guy in the corner. There's three of us in here. That's a... Anything for a planetary protection officer, though. I'm all ready for that. Hello, space alien. I'm the planetary protection officer of Earth. Stop. You cannot enter our atmosphere. Yeah, that'll work. That will work. Now, you want to talk about a scam. And I I shouldn't call it a scam because I don't know that it's a scam. But you know how you can buy stars? Genius. Genius. Okay. We'll sell you a star in your name. Uh, they're gonna send, they send you a piece of paper that says that star. <laughs> that is so good. Why did I think of that? I mean, that's a million dollar idea. Sell people. We'll name a star after you. That star at point dot two 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 is Bill. And the star at point two 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 three is Sarah. I mean, that's genius. Genius. Well, now, for $12,500, only $12,500. So, I mean, we're, I'm making a deal with you here, okay? You can, uh, you can send your ashes to the moon. Or you can hold a spot for a, you know, a cemetery plot. Have we sold plots of land to the moon? Do we actually do that? Come on. I mean, that's a good gig right there. If we're going to just start sending. We'll send Grandpa's body burned dust up to the moon. Now, he won't be buried. We're just going to go up to the moon and throw the dust out. It'll be just part of the moon. And it's only going to cost you $12,000. That's good stuff. Now, you can send the gram to your cremated remains. Oh, you can blast it onto the moon or have them shot out into deep space. Costs about $5,000 for a burial in low Earth orbit. Come on. Just climb to a mountain and have somebody throw you up in the air. Throw your dust up in the air is about the same as that. I'll do that for you for five grand. I'll tell you what, for $5,000, I'll fly a helicopter anywhere on Earth and just Throw your throw your dust out the helicopter. That's a low Earth orbit. Wow, this is a good scam. Argos Funeral Services provide more personalized space burials. Argos became the first funeral provider to score permission from the California Department of Public Health to send cremated remains to space on the first privately funded lunar mission led by. Moon Express. I mean, you cut a deal with SpaceX, right? Moon Express cuts a deal with SpaceX. They buy a four-by-four section of SpaceX, right? You buy a four-foot section on SpaceX for your box. They fly you up to the space station. They, You know, they're dropping off some food, picking up some trash. And then uh, for, you know, a million bucks, They've got a box full of a box full of human remains that they got to kick out, 
and they just throw it out into space so that you have your low orbit. What's it called? Hold on, I got to make sure your low Earth orbit burial. I mean, come on, that's a good gig. I don't know that you can cover it though, because SpaceX. I mean, I'm sure that Elon is going to charge you a pretty penny for you know a spot on SpaceX. So you're going to have to get quite a quite a few. Of them. Come on, quite a few of them. But if you've got people talked into it, man, wow. So a small portion of the customer's ashes will join dozens of others on a rocket ship that blasts off from New Zealand late this year or early next year destined for the moon. A robotic lunar lander built by Moon Express will carry the ashes and DNA and DNA to the surface, along with science projects designed to test Albert Einstein's general relativity of theory and to create a better map of the moon. Now, you realize that the moon is just the moon, right? We've been there. It's dirt. If it's the moon, it's another planet. Oh, okay. Argos and Celestis are selling space burials to anyone who ever longed to travel in space or stepped outside on a starry night and felt at home. It's not all that different from scattering ashes at sea. Everybody dies, so it's a huge market. (laughs) Yeah, that's the fact right there. Nothing truer was said from that guy. Everybody dies, so it's a huge market. Look. I can sell you this casket for eight grand, but you know, for another four, I can shoot your ass on the moon. Oh, okay. You know, your dad always told me, he might not have written it down in his will, but your dad always told me he wanted to, you know, go to the moon. So this is a way for you to give him his dream by paying me $13,000. Now, you know what's going to happen too. Feel it. I don't want it to happen. Maybe we should talk to these people. Oh, we should talk to these dingleberries and see exactly what they're what they're doing. I mean, they've got Seattle Spaceflight Industries. They've got California. They're blasting off from New Zealand. We're going to find out more about this. I've got to talk to these people. I want to see what kind of uh, I want to see what kind of thing they've got cooked because you know what's going to happen. I mean, I can feel it. I can feel it. The headline next year: Low orbit. What's it called? Low orbit space burials. Found to just be dumping dust in the middle of the desert here on Earth. Lying to the people. They'll be convicted of fraud. They tell people, oh no, we sent him to the we sent Uncle Bill to the moon. Uh-huh. That truck that drove through the desert that dust was flying out of, what was that? Nothing. The rocket never left Earth. I know, but he still went to the moon. We made it go to the moon. Really, we did. Oh, we've got to talk to these people. This is I, I have to invest in this company. Are you kidding me? Ashes, okay. Signing was when legendary geologist Eugene Shoemaker's ashes were shot onto the moon's surface in the summer of 1999. So we've already got human dust up there on the moon. 
some discoveries, and one of the things, part of that, the moon cemeteries. We have got to invest in this. I am telling you, here at the Jeff Fisher Radio Show, we have got to invest in moon cemetery plots. I mean, that's a million-dollar idea. These people are way ahead of us. I am disappointed. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, first I want to apologize. Uh, it was brought to my attention that I was incorrect about the moon. And I, you know, when I said it, I thought, I don't think that's right when I said about the moon because I inadvertently said that the moon was just dirt, moon dirt. And I apologize because everyone knows the moon is made out of cheese. I apologize. So if you wish to have your bone dust spread on the moon over the cheese, it only costs you 13000 We are going to find out more about that scam, I'm telling you. Also, another million-dollar idea that I had, moi, had years ago. I see an article about this company. Granny Pods now allow your aging parents to live in your backyard. Granny Pods. Are you kidding me? I talked about having those pods that you could get. You, you drop them off in your driveway. Hook up a hose to them for your bathrooms. And you've got an extra room for people to stay in for the holidays. It's like a hotel room. Pods. I'm t- the visitor pods, hotel pods, call them whatever you want. That's, that was my idea. Now being used. Million dollar idea. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome for letting you. You don't have to give me any credit for it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm okay with it. You're welcome. All right. Now, they want a lot of money for these granny pods. I mean, a lot of money. I believe that you could, if you wanted to just make one yourself and start renting it out, you could do it for a lot cheaper. But you drop off a pod in the driveway for a week, A, it'll be comfortable enough so that it looks like you're providing a a space for relatives to stay in. B, it will be uncomfortable enough for them to say, we can only stay the few days and then we have to go. So everybody wins. They get a place to stay, and they want to leave. Nice enough to have a roof, bad enough not to want to stay there forever. You're welcome. That's all I'm saying. You're welcome. All right, so we've got a lot. Uh, we got. I got another couple of great stories for you that happy with. But one of the things that uh, is coming to America soon, that's happening now in the UK, is they have uh, egg vending machines. You think to yourself, what do you want to get from a vending machine? What's the first thing that pops into your mind? Eggs, of course. The Cabbage House Farm uh, is relying on the goodwill of customers uh, to pay the correct amount for the eggs because they had too many people stealing uh, stealing eggs. So they wanted to put the eggs in a vending machine, and they're charging for it. That's good stuff, man. I, what, what they need to start doing is having the raw eggs for you to purchase. In the vending machine, and then have some, you know, the daily hard-boiled egg, you know, that sells for your lunch. That's your lunch, right? The hard-boiled egg. I know. I know. Look. Look. 
these ideas just come to me. Okay, I, I can't stop it. Well, I wish I could, but it's just there. All of a sudden, these these million dollar ideas just come to me like this. I mean, you see a story on egg vending machines installed at a farm to tackle thieves. I see an egg vending machine and think to myself, "Hey, let's hard boil some and have some food." I know, I know. It's just you know the way things are. I can't help it. Look. There's no off switch on genius. The Jeff Fisher Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Fisher Show. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Welcome to it. Lawrence Jones uh, standing by in the sweat box uh, that is Mercury Studios today. Of course, it is the surface of the sun in Texas, but uh, there's there's not an issue in this room. If there was an issue in this room, you would have heard about it. <laughs> this room is comfortable. Uh, now, I could open the sliding glass door a little bit and let some of the air out, maybe you know, cool down a little bit of the area next door. I could do that. Plus, it will never reach that other room, so it's just wasted. I can't waste it. It should be used in this room. I mean, it's almost like, you know, when you go shopping, let's use, uh, just go grocery shopping, because that's the main store where you use a shopping cart. And you unload your groceries, and then you do what with the shopping cart? What do you do? Do you leave it? Do you push it in the next in the next parking area and just walk away? Do you push it up on a curb half and half and walk away? Or do you take it back to the cart receptacle? Some cart receptacles are wide for two or three rows. Some are short for single rows. What do you do with it? Now, so I read an article... What returning your shopping cart says about you. Now, I I believe this guy's trying to be a little funny. Uh, but he's right. Uh, I realized, now, according to him, he realized there are two different people in this world. Cart returners and cart deserters. Both say a lot about you. I would add a third to that. There's the cart returners. There's the cart deserters. And then I'm not sure what we call the the cart erratics, or I'm not sure what we call them, but there's the cart person who feels like they want to return it, but they don't want to walk all the way over to the receptacle, so they just push it as hard as they can toward the receptacle, and wherever it lands, it lands. <laughs> yes, yes, those are the cart half-assers. Yes, that's exa- I'll go with that. I like that. 
because we've seen them. Now, there are several times that I know that I can make it. Now, that's a, that's a, that's a little game in my head where I say, ooh, the receptacle's right there, and no problem. Woo! And go as hard as you can, but I do follow through. So if it were not to go into the receptacle, which never happens, if it were not to go into the receptacle, I would go after it and put it in. But again, that's not going to happen under my watch. I return them. I do return them. It drives me... The reason I return them is because, look, how much do I hate not being able to pull into a parking spot because of a shopping cart left, um, have them blowing around a, a parking lot uh, when it's you know windy and they're blowing around there loose? Um, I just, it just how much I see them half and half up on the curb of a parking area. You know, somebody, or they they just leave it next to me. It just drives me crazy. So it's, I feel bad about being angry at those people if I don't follow through on my end. So I take them back. Now, I, at one time, uh, for a time of my life, worked for a grocery chain. And part of my job when I first started, of course, is carts. You know, so no matter what you're doing in the store, when you hear the manager carts, you know that you've got to hop sing your bougie butt outside and go get the carts. Now, in today's world, some of the bigger stores, the bigger box stores, they've got the, the cart machines. I would have killed humans for that machine. I mean, our part of our deal was to see how many we could actually push in from the parking lot and get them into the door and into the into their slots inside the store, because that takes some doing. Because there's only you might be able to push a straight line of however many carts. And I really don't remember how many, what the what the record was. <laughs> I can tell you that <laughs> I was the record holder, but. I don't remember what, exactly what it was. But the trick, the record of being able to push a row of carts up to the door is one thing. The record of being able to push the the carts up and in the door is something else. Because you gotta get that, you gotta get the turn right, you gotta keep the you gotta keep the momentum going forward, you gotta get the turn right, and then you've gotta reach a certain point where you swing the line back. Because you don't want to hit the other side of the doorway, and then you've got to keep the momentum still going forward. I mean, it could be a sport. I was just saying it could be possible. But then they ruined it with robotics. Those bastards. They brought in a robot card pusher. Those bastards. Still takes a human, though, with the remote control. Beep. Wait till that job ends. Um, those robots will be pushing 8,000 cards in. But they won't need to because every time a cart gets left out there, a robot will be standing by to push it in. Huh? Come on. That's a good gig. So he claims that uh, there are hundreds of excuses for someone to leave their cart propped up on the grassy medium or left between parking spaces. Maybe they're in a hurry. It's raining. They're trying to escape dirty looks for getting there because their oversized truck is parked across two spaces. Whatever the reason, there's one thing all these excuses have in common. It's all about them. We see that all the time. Especially... I don't want to say Texas is any worse than any other place, but Texas is worse than any other place. 
uh, many people believe that uh, the world is about them, and that's what they live on. And again, I don't want to say that Texas is any worse than any other place, but Texas is worse than any other place. So why not take a step for it? If you disabled person with a cart, offer to return it for them. It's all about helping your neighbor. Okay? Successful people put others first instead of being wrapped up in things that benefit them. They look for ways to help and serve those around them. You will get all you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. So, I mean, I'm living large. If I help enough people get their shopping cart, if I help enough people get their shopping cart, I mean, that's, I'm living large. Count on that. I mean, when it comes to money, the more giving you are, the more likely you are to make. And, you know, a lot of people poo-poo that, but uh, this this man gives you a good example. A hand that's closed tightly around money ensures that none leaves, but it also ensures no one can come in. An open hand allows money to come and leave freely. So, think about that. Now, he claims that we've all been tempted to turn into the dark side. Your child is screaming. The nearest cart receptacle is 10 parking spaces away. Can't I leave the cart here just this once? Again, this is where I I have a problem because I want to just leave it there. I mean, I've already paid an extra amount of money for my groceries because they want to pay uh, Bob Jr. to come out and get shopping carts. So let Bob Jr. get it. That's his job. Because Bob knows when he hears carts, he has to hop sing his butt out there and get carts. Even if it's with the remote control machine that they can bring in 18 million cars. And they got it easy now because most of those places have like garage doors that can, that the machines and robots can just wheel in hundreds of carts in a row. It's not like the old days when we had to do it by hand, I'll tell you that. When men were men and grocery baggers were cart boys. Cart boys were boys. Something like that. So you just need to do the right thing. Know who you are. What kind of person are you? Are you a cart returner, a cart deserter, or a, what was it? Oh, are you a cart, are you a cart returner, a cart deserter, or a cart half-asser? Which are you? You decide. That drives me crazy, those carts, man. That's one thing I, I seriously... I don't know why it bothers me so much. I really don't. And it's been a long time since I've actually left a cart. Not in a cart receptacle. It just drives me crazy. I mean, it, it only takes a little bit of time to wheel that cart back to where with the receptacle that they have for them. Just a little bit of time. And if you work smarter, not harder, perhaps when you're looking for a place to park, you try to park close to a receptacle. So the walk isn't that far, right? But we just leave it. You pull it. I mean, how many times it's been busy, the store parking lot's busy, it's pretty full, and you see an open parking space, and you pull in, and there sits a shopping cart because someone only cared about themselves and didn't care about other people. (laughs) That's worse than a cart half-asser. The cart deserters are worse than the cart half-assers. All right? I'll tell you, oh, man. 
Okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm too bad. I'm too bad to go on. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the broadcast. This is the Jeff Fisher Radio Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. I appreciate it uh, each and every Saturday here on the Blaze Radio Network. And then, of course, uh, uh, once in a while I speak up on the Glenn Beck Radio Program and speak up once in a while on the Pat and Stu Show on the Blaze Radio Network and the Blaze Television Network. So thank you again for coming along for the ride and joining us on whatever broadcast you grab uh, the horns on and uh, join. We love you for it. Thank you. Um couple of things I wanted to get to. We talked about robots a lot uh, during this broadcast. Uh, we talked to uh, the author, Nigel Cameron, about uh, his book, Will Robots Take Your Job? And uh, I'm going to be, I'd like to talk to Nigel again and get into a little bit more, uh, uh, dig in a little bit more, peel a couple more layers off that onion because we kind of uh, uh, broad stroked it a little bit um, today, but there's, so much to talk about and uh, be concerned about that I just don't think is being addressed as we get closer and closer to more robotics doing more and more work. And uh, it's all around us already, and it's only going to get worse or better depending on how you look at it. And one of the things that they're doing now, uh, I just read a story where scientists are precisely edit DNA in human embryos, and they're trying to fix a particular disease gene so if we're at a point where we are editing DNA in human embryos, uh, we're going to be able to live a lot longer. Uh, we've got, uh, they've got uh, robotics that are going in and doing lung cancer surgery that they can catch it faster and be more precise. Uh, so you're going to be, if you have some sort of disease, you're going to be able to get it fixed better from robotics. And then for those of you that want to have the perfect human being, you're going to be able to create the perfect human beings or as close as we can get by editing the DNA. So something, I mean, if you're going to have robots running everything, something's going to have to be done because we're going to have, uh, you know, 800 year old people sitting around waiting for the government to pay them. And, uh, so that they can go to the grocery store and leave their damn shopping cart out of the lot. Yeah, you heard me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, be ready. Also, a story about Fox getting ready to debut six-second TV ads. Uh, it should be fascinating. YouTube started this not long ago. And, uh, I mean, hell, Clear Channel did it 10 years ago with their adlets and their five-second ads uh, trying to get it in. The problem that Clear Channel did is that they were using these adlets and it was and it was adlets so it was in addition to they figured hey you know we could put 25 26 minutes of ads into this 30 minute program and if we just add another 5 seconds we'll get more money I mean that's that's the way they were thinking so if it's just going to be the ad itself uh, just the six second ad and not hey here's 60 seconds and then we're going to throw in an extra six second ad it might work out all right and uh, I hope th- I hope it does. There's plenty of uh, there's plenty of room for new ways to advertise. And in fact, uh, there may be some uh, some things to look forward to here on the Blaze Radio Network in the future. 
I'm not supposed to say anything, my friends. I hope I didn't spoil anything. Don't, don't quote me on anything, okay? And for those of you that want uh, to send me more information at any time, you can email me anytime, Jeffy, J-E-F-F-Y, at glenbeck.com. And I'll give you an example of uh, some of the email that I already received. So, I mean, if there's more of this, feel free to send it to me because I want to be alerted when things like this happen, okay? Uh, this is uh, an email that came to me uh, earlier this week. Um, space warning. Death Star heading towards Earth will end life with hail of space rocks. You've been warned. So just let, you know, if you want to email me information and uh, warn us, uh, warn myself and warn others, uh, feel free to do so because uh, we all want to be alerted. Don't forget about the AI language robots. Can't get enough of these. There was actually it was just a male and female fighting. <laughs> I can I I everything else. Balls have a ball to me to me to me to me to me to two. The man robot. I. I. Whatever. Baby. This is I, the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 